Chapter Twenty Nine of Orley Farm by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leonard Wilson. Chapter Twenty Nine, Breaking Covert. There's a double ditch and bank that will do as well. Miss Tristram had said when she was informed that there was no gate out of the wood at the side on which the fox had broken. The gentleman who had tendered the information might as well have held his tongue for miss tristram knew the wood intimately was acquainted with the locality of all its gates and was acquainted also with the points at which it might be left without the assistance of any gate at all by those who were well mounted and could ride their horses therefore she had thus replied there's a double ditch and bank that will do as well and for the double ditch and bank at the end of one of the grassy roadways miss tristram at once prepared herself that's the gap where grubbles broke his horse's back said a man in a red coat to peregrine orme and so saying he made up his wavering mind and galloped away as fast as his nag could carry him but peregrine orme would not avoid a fence at which a lady was not afraid to ride and felix graham knowing little but fearing nothing followed peregrine orme at the end of the roadway in the middle of the track there was the gap for a footman it was doubtless the easiest way over the fence for the ditch on that side was half filled up and there was space enough left of the half-broken bank for a man's scrambling feet but miss tristram at once knew that it was a bad place for a horse the second or further ditch was the really difficult obstacle and there was no footing in the gap from which a horse could take his leap to the right of this the fence was large and required a good horse but miss tristram knew her animal and was accustomed to large fences the trained beast went well across onto the bank poised himself there for a moment and taking a second spring carried his mistress across into the further field apparently with ease in that field the dogs were now running all together so that a sheet might have covered them and miss tristram exulting within her heart and holding in her horse knew that she had got away uncommonly well peregrine orme followed a little to the right of the lady's passage so that he might have room for himself and do no mischief in the event of miss tristram or her horse making any mistake at the leap he also got well over but alas in spite of such early success he was destined to see nothing of the hunt that day felix graham thinking that he would obey instructions by letting his horse do as he pleased permitted the beast to come close upon orme's track and to make his jump before orme's horse had taken his second spring have a care said peregrine feeling that the two were together on the bank or you'll shove me into the ditch he however got well over felix attempting to have a care just when his doing so could be of no avail gave his horse a pull with the curb as he was preparing for his second spring the outside ditch was broad and deep and well banked up and required that an animal should have all his power it was at such a moment as this that he should have been left to do his work without injudicious impediment from his rider but poor graham was thinking only of orme's caution and attempted to stop the beast when any positive and absolute stop was out of the question the horse made his jump and crippled as he was 
jumped short. He came with his knees against the further bank, threw his rider, and then, in his struggle to right himself, rolled over him. Felix felt at once that he was much hurt, that he had indeed come to grief, but still he was not stunned, nor did he lose his presence of mind. The horse succeeded in gaining his feet, and then Felix also jumped up and even walked a step or two towards the head of the animal with the object of taking the reins. But he found that he could not raise his arm, and he found also that he could hardly breathe. Both Peregrine and Miss Tristram looked back. "'There's nothing wrong, I hope,' said the lady, and then she rode on. And let it be understood that in hunting those who are in advance generally do ride on. The lame and the halt and the wounded, if they cannot pick themselves up, have to be picked up by those who come after them. But Peregrine saw that there was no one else coming that way. The memory of young Grubble's fate had placed an interdict on that pass out of the wood, which nothing short of the pluck and science of Miss Tristram was able to disregard. Two cavaliers she had carried with her. One she had led on to instant slaughter, and the other remained to look after his fallen brother-in-arms. Miss Tristram, in the meantime, was in the next field, and had settled well down to her work. "'Are you hurt, old fellow?' said Peregrine, turning back his horse, but still not dismounting. "'Not much, I think,' said Graham, smiling. "'There's something wrong about my arm. But don't you wait.' And then he found that he spoke with difficulty. "'Can you mount again?' "'I don't think I'll mind that. Perhaps I'd better sit down.' Then Peregrine Orme knew that Graham was hurt, and jumping off his own horse, he gave up all hope of the hunt. "'Here, you fellow, come and hold these horses.' So invoked, a boy who in following the sport had got as far as the ditch, did as he was bid, and scrambled over. "'Sit down, Graham, there. I am afraid you are hurt. Did he roll on you?' But Felix merely looked up into his face, still smiling. He was now very pale, and for the moment could not speak. Peregrine came close to him, and gently attempted to raise the wounded limb, whereupon Graham shuddered and shook his head. "'I fear it is broken,' said Peregrine. Graham nodded his head, and raised his left hand to his breast, and Peregrine then knew that something else was amiss also. I don't know any feeling more disagreeable than that produced by being left alone in a field when out hunting with a man who has been very much hurt, and who is incapable of riding or walking. The hurt man himself has the privilege of his infirmities, and may remain quiescent. But you, as his only attendant, must do something. You must for the moment do all, and if you do wrong, the whole responsibility lies on your shoulders. If you leave a wounded man on the damp ground in the middle of winter, while you run away, five miles perhaps, to the next doctor, he may not improbably, as you then think, be dead before you come back. You don't know the way, you are heavy yourself, and your boots are very heavy. You must stay, therefore. But as you are no doctor, you don't in the least know what is the amount of the injury. In your great trouble you begin to roar for assistance but the woods re-echo your words, and the distant sound of the huntsman's horn 
as he summons his hounds at a check, only mocks your agony. But Peregrine had a boy with him. "'Get upon that horse,' he said at last. "'Ride round to Farmer Griggs, and tell them to send somebody here with a spring-cart. He has got a spring-cart, I know, and a mattress in it.' "'But I ain't no good at riding like,' said the boy, looking with dismay at Orme's big horse. "'Then run, that will be better, for you can go through the wood. You know where Farmer Griggs lives, the first farm the other side of the Grange.' "'Aye, aye, I knows where Farmer Griggs lives well enough.' "'Run, then, and if the cart is here in half an hour, I'll give you a sovereign.' Inspirited by the hopes of such wealth, golden wealth, wealth for a lifetime, the boy was quickly back over the fence, and Peregrine was left alone with Felix Graham. He was now sitting down, with his feet hanging into the ditch, and Peregrine was kneeling behind him. "'I am sorry I can do nothing more,' said he. "'but I fear we must remain here till the cart comes. "'I am so vexed about your hunt,' said Felix, gasping as he spoke. "'He had, in fact, broken his right arm, "'which had been twisted under him as the horse rolled, "'and two of his ribs had been staved in by the pommel of his saddle. "'Many men have been worse hurt, "'and have hunted again before the end of the season.' but the fracture of three bones does make a man uncomfortable for the time. "'Now the cart is sent for. Couldn't you go on?' But it was not likely that Peregrine Orme would do that. "'Never mind me,' he said. "'When a fellow is hurt, he has always to do as he's told. You'd better have a drop of sherry. Look here, I've got a flask at my saddle. There, you can support yourself with that arm a moment.' did you ever see horses stand so quiet i've got hold of yours and now i'll fasten them together i say whitefoot you don't kick do you and then he contrived to pick at the horses to two branches and having got out his case of sherry poured a small modicum into the silver mug which was attached to the apparatus and again supported graham while he drank you'll be as right as a trivet by and by only you'll have to make noningsby your headquarters for the next six weeks and then the same idea passed through the mind of each of them how little a man need be pitied for such a misfortune if madeline staveley would consent to be his nurse no man could have less surgical knowledge than peregrine orme but nevertheless he was such a man as one would like to have with him if one came to grief in such a way he was cheery and uphearted but at the same time gentle and even thoughtful his voice was pleasant and his touch could be soft for many years afterwards felix remembered how that sherry had been held to his lips and how the young heir of the cleave had knelt behind him in his red coat supporting him as he became weary with waiting and saying pleasant words to him through the hole felix graham was a man who would remember such things in running through the wood the boy first encountered three horsemen they were the judge with his daughter madeline and miss furnival there be a man thou who be almost dead said the boy hardly able to speak from want of breath i be a-going for farmer griggs's cart and then they stopped him a moment to ask for some description but the boy could tell them nothing to indicate that the wounded man was one of their friends it might however be augustus and so the three rode on quickly towards the fence 
knowing nothing of the circumstances of the ditches which would make it out of their power to get to the fallen sportsmen. But Peregrine heard the sound of the horses and the voices of the horsemen. "'By Jove, there's a lot of them coming down here,' said he. "'It's the judge and two of the girls. "'Oh, Miss Staveley, I'm so glad you've come. "'Graham has had a bad fall and hurt himself. "'You haven't a shawl, have you? "'The ground is so wet under him.' "'It doesn't signify at all,' said Felix, looking round "'and seeing the faces of his friends on the other side of the bank. "'Madam Staveley gave a slight shriek which her father did not notice.' but which Miss Furnival heard very plainly. "'Oh, papa,' she said, "'cannot you get over to him?' And then she began to bethink herself whether it were possible that she should give up something of her dress to protect the man who was hurt from the damp, muddy ground on which he lay. "'Can you hold my horse, dear?' said the judge, slowly dismounting. For the judge, though he rode every day on sanitary considerations, had not a sportsman's celerity in leaving and recovering his saddle but he did get down, and burdened as he was with a great coat, he did succeed in crossing that accursed fence. Accursed it was from henceforward in the annals of the H.H., and none would ride it but daredevils who professed themselves willing to go at anything. Miss Tristram, however, always declared that there was nothing in it, though she avoided it herself, whispering to her friends that she had led others to grief there, and might possibly do so again if she persevered. "'Could you hold the horse,' said Madeline to Miss Furnival, "'and I will go for a shawl to the carriage?' Miss Furnival declared that to the best of her belief she could not. But nevertheless the animal was left with her, and Madeline turned round and galloped back towards the carriage. She made her horse do his best, though her eyes were nearly blinded with tears, and went straight on for the carriage, though she would have given much for a moment to hide those tears before she reached it. "'Oh, mamma, give me a thick shawl. Mr. Graham has hurt himself in the field and is lying on the grass.' And then, in some incoherent and quick manner, she had to explain what she knew of the accident before she could get a carriage-cloak out of the carriage. This, however, she did succeed in doing, and in some manner very unintelligible to herself afterwards— she did gallop back with her burden. She passed the cloak over to Peregrine, who clambered up the bank to get it, while the judge remained on the ground, supporting the young barrister. Felix Graham, though he was weak, was not stunned or senseless, and he knew well who it was that had procured for him that comfort. And then the carriage followed Madeline, and there was quite a concourse of servants and horses and ladies on the inside of the fence but the wounded man was still, unfortunately, on the other side. No cart from Farmer Griggs made its appearance, though it was now more than half an hour since the boy had gone. Carts, when they are wanted in such sudden haste, do not make their appearance. It was two miles through the wood to Mr. Griggs' farmyard, and more than three miles back by any route which the cart could take. And then it might be more than probable that in Farmer Griggs's establishment there was not always a horse ready in harness, or a groom at hand prepared to yoke him. Peregrine had become very impatient, and had more than once invoked a silent anathema on the farmer's head. But nevertheless there was no appearance of the cart. "'We must get him across the ditches into the carriage,' said the judge. 
if lady staveley will let us do that said peregrine the difficulty is not with lady staveley but with these nasty ditches said the judge for he had been up to his knees in one of them and the water had penetrated his boots but the task was at last done mrs arbuthnot stood up on the back seat of the carriage so that she might hold the horses and the coachman and footman got across into the field it would be better to let me lie here all day said felix as three of them struggled back with their burden the judge bringing up the rear with two hunting-whips and peregrine's cap how on earth any one would think of riding over such a place as that said the judge but then when he had been a young man it had not been the custom for barristers to go out hunting madeline as she saw the wounded man carefully laid on the back seat of the carriage almost wished that she could have her mother's place that she might support him would they be careful enough with him would they remember how terrible must be the pain of that motion to one so hurt as he was and then she looked into his face as he was made to lean back and she saw that he still smiled felix graham was by no means a handsome man i should hardly sin against the truth if i were to say that he was ugly but madeline as she looked at him now lying there utterly without colour but always with that smile on his countenance thought that no face to her liking had ever been more gracious she still rode close to him as they went down the grassy road saying never a word and miss furnival rode there also somewhat in the rear condoling with the judge as to his wet feet miss furnival he said when a judge forgets himself and goes out hunting he has no right to expect anything better what would your father have said had he seen me clambering up the bank with young orme's hunting-cap between my teeth i positively did he would have rushed to assist you said miss furnival with a little burst of enthusiasm which was hardly needed on the occasion and then peregrine came after them leading graham's horse he had been compelled to return to the field and ride both the horses back into the wood one after the other while the footmen held them that riding back over fences in cold blood is the work that really tries a man's nerve and a man has to do it too when no one is looking on how he does crane and falter and look about for an easy place at such a moment as that but when the blood is cold no places are easy the procession got back to noningsby without adventure and graham as a matter of course was taken up to his bed one of the servants had been dispatched to alston for a surgeon and in an hour or two the extent of the misfortune was known the right arm was broken very favourably as the doctor observed but two ribs were broken rather unfavourably there was some talk of hemorrhage and inward wounds and sir jacob from saville row was suggested by lady staveley but the judge knowing the extent of graham's means made some further preliminary inquiries and it was considered that sir jacob would not be needed at any rate not as yet why don't they send for him said madeline to her mother with rather more than her wanted energy your papa does not think it necessary my dear it would be very expensive you know but mamma would you let a man die because it would cost a few pounds to cure him my dear we all hope that mr graham won't die at any rate not at present 
if there be any danger you may be sure that your papa will send for the best advice but madeline was by no means satisfied she could not understand economy in a matter of life and death if sir jacob's coming would have cost fifty pounds or a hundred what would that have signified weighed in such a balance such a sum would be nothing to her father had augustus fallen and broken his arm all the sir jacobs in london would not have been considered too costly could their joint coming have mitigated any danger she did not however dare to speak to her mother again so she said a word or two to peregrine orme who was constant in his attendance on felix peregrine had been very kind and she had seen it and her heart therefore warmed towards him don't you think he ought to have more advice mr orme well no i I don't know he's very jolly you know only he can't talk one of the bones ran into him but i believe he's all right oh but that is so frightful and the tears were again in her eyes if i were him i should think one doctor enough but it's easy enough having a fellow down from london you know if you like it if he should get worse mr orme and then peregrine made her a sort of promise but in doing so an idea shot through his poor heart of what the truth might really be he went back and looked at felix who was sleeping if it is so i must bear it he said to himself but i'll fight it on and a quick thought ran through his brain of his own deficiencies he knew that he was not clever and bright in talk like felix graham he could not say the right thing at the right moment without forethought how he wished that he could but still he would fight it on as he would have done any losing match to the last and then he sat down by felix's head and resolved that he would be loyal to his new friend all the same loyal in all things needful but still he would fight it on end of chapter twenty nine of orley farm by anthony trollope recording by leonard wilson of springfield ohio